What's up, beautiful people? It's nice to be back with you guys again. So, I was sitting here the other day and I was thinking, you know, a lot of people like to have goals and they like to have these big dreams of where they want to go and what they want to do. But a lot of people really don't think about the hard work it takes and the things that they have to go through. And a lot of times people can get ahead of themselves or things like that. So I thought we would talk about the unrealistic expectations and things like that and the ways to get around that. So I went through and broke these down into five categories and I really want to focus on the things that we kind of get ahead of ourselves about and the things that we do wrong. But we can also turn that around and focus on what to do instead of what not to do. And one of the things is focusing on the rewards and not what it takes to get there. I know a lot of times when I start doing a project or just say, for example, you're gonna interview bands and all this kind of stuff and you really wanna get backstage and meet those people and make those connections. Um, it can be really hard to really think about the rewards before you get to where you want to be. So you might be thinking about, oh yeah, I'm going to go interview Morgan Rose at Seven Deaths and I'm going to get all these free free things like free t-shirts and, and drinks and be hanging around bands. But you got to remember that it takes a lot to get to that step and it's not all about just hanging out with the band. It's making sure you have a, uh, a clear, precise idea of what you want to do so that you can present it to other people and they can believe in your dream and they can help you invest to make sure that happens. Another reason is willing to work hard. I know a lot of times a lot of people get down because they may uh, think that they want it to go one way but it's not going that way and they have all these hopes and dreams of meeting all these famous people and doing all this stuff to make a difference. But they don't really think about the hard work that it goes into it. So they may get bored of it for a while. I know I did that for a while when me and Olivia were starting by the horns, which for those of you that don't, don't know, that's my sister. And there's been times where I've been sitting around and I just hate my job and hate working at Dave & Buster's because I'm not making enough money or it's not really meeting my expectations of helping other people. So it's hard It's hard not to be focused on the times where you're down and when you're not doing what you want to do, but you got to stay focused on, you know, the prize at the end of the road and what, how you're going to make an impact on people and how you're going to really change the, the lives of people around you and around the world and the impact that you're going to make on them to make yourself stable enough to keep doing it. So at a time when I was really, really down, I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't know how we we're going to build by the horns. And we were looking for people to work with us, like reaching out to different organizations and things like that. We emailed and emailed and nobody got back with us. But the one organization that did was All Train Georgia. So we went to the grand opening and we had a great time. And I met Amy Copeland, the founder, and she had... No arms and no legs because of her accident. But then I got to thinking, I was like, man, if she can do this and I can, you know, we can all move forward if she can do it with no arms and no legs and just use her brain, so can I. And it really energized me to be in that element, to be around people like me that were really into this thing and really seeing what she could do. Then I knew I could do the same thing. One of the biggest things not to focus on is the unrealistic expectations. 
you have to stay focused on what you want to do. Yeah, you can say, I'm going to interview these bands. I'm going to interview Travis Barker, and I'm going to get out here and do all this. But you have to be willing to be told no. You have to really be willing to put in the work that it takes to do these kind of things. Because I know when I was um, trying to get on the podcast Good Company, I had to email Scott, but I also had to say, okay, how is this appealing to him, and how can he use this to better further his brand and what he's doing and what is he going to get out of. So you just don't want to interview them because of who they are, but you want to interview them because of what they can help you do and what you can help them do and how it's going to spread their message. So when you interview someone, always think about the message and what you're trying to say and how they can use it for their benefit as well. Meeting these expectations can be daunting and it can be unrealistic and I see how you can get there. By the things that I've uh, challenged myself with and struggled with, I've been trying to get in touch with Travis Barker for about four or five years now. And I was in Ink Magazine. I thought it would be very easy because it's a national magazine, actually worldwide. So it's like, oh yeah, it'll be super easy because he'll see it. No, that's not the case. I went through various different websites and different agency companies trying to track this guy down and they want you to pay just to even speak to his agent. So it's very difficult and it's very hard, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. And maybe when this podcast blows up or my YouTube channel blows up or maybe when somebody sees the uh, episode of Good Company that I was on, maybe he'll see it. Maybe I can just keep climbing that ladder to reach my expectations of meeting him and talking to him about tattoos and really teaching him what people with disabilities are able to do and what an inspiration he is for, to me. So now we're going to talk about unable to recover from failure. I know I had been wanting to be in the music industry for a long time. I always wanted to do something with music. So I went out and tried to start my own band promoting company called uh, Crazy Wheels Entertainment. That wasn't working out. So I had went to a 7 Dash show in 2008. And I had given Morgan Rose my card knowing that he probably threw it in the garbage as soon as he saw it. Because he's famous, he don't give a shit, you know. So anyway. But I didn't give up, so I actually went to a guy, I think his name was Jeff, he was with Project Independent. Project Independent was a two-month tour that allowed new and upcoming metal bands to be on tour, and they had a contest, and then he asked me to find bands for the local show here in Atlanta, and we about got everything worked out, and then something all of a sudden happened, and no bands, I couldn't find any bands and nothing was working out, but I didn't give up on my hopes and dreams of working with in the music industry and doing things like that and working with people. So then I was like, all right, I got to figure out some way to use my platform to not only work in music, but to advocate for other people. And that's also where the idea for By the Horns and the vision came for By the Horns. And then I brought my sister in on board because I was trying to sell t-shirts and stuff for my brand so I could get myself out there to hopefully interview bands and uh, book bands, but it didn't work out. So then I said, all right, I got to change my focus and I got to really learn how I can help people and how I can motivate them. So that's how By the Horns was created. I wanted to create events myself. And then my sister was like, why don't we work together? We're doing the same thing. So yeah, I never gave up. Even though my vision may have changed a little bit, it took me a second to really hone in what I was doing, but I didn't stop and I didn't give up. 
So I knew that I love music and I love being around people and I knew music is something I love and it's where my heart was, but it wasn't where, what I was good at. So I had to really focus on what I was good at, not what I had a passion for. So I focused on what I was good at and I built a passion for that. I knew I was good at advocating. I knew I was speaking to people and I took many advocating classes and really got way out there and got into the government, into the politics side of it. So... After doing that, after making big strides and making documentaries and educating people about people with disabilities, I knew I still want to do something with music and I still want to be able to reach out to those people. But then I said, I can take that and educate them about people with disabilities as far as going to shows and finding out what we can do to make shows better and more, more accessible for them and ways that they can change the music industry. So I'm still kind of doing the same thing. I'm just more focusing on the advocating side and educating others through music. So the fifth reason that pe most people do not reach their goals is leaving their comfort zone. And this can be anything from reaching out to your favorite musician, your favorite interviewers, to do an interview with them. Uh, I know it can be very daunting and it can be very uh, scary to reach out to you know your favorite musician or your favorite uh, podcaster to get an interview on their show because you want to do it right. You don't want to sound dumb. You don't want to sound stupid. You want to make it a good idea so they want to interview you. But even if you get rejected, it's okay because at least you left your comfort zone. At least you can say you tried. A time I can really, really remember, uh, I had to leave my comfort zone and it was a little uncomfortable. Is when my cousin tells me that he wants to take me two miles up the Appalachian Trail because he's going in the military and needs to learn how to carry someone on his back in case he has to leave them out of battle and they're dead or they're injured. So he carried me two miles up the Appalachian Trail. We had a great time. It was a little rough at times, but. We went up there with a wheelchair at first, and he was carrying the wheelchair, but we ended up dropping the wheelchair because I about rolled down the hill and all kind of stuff. And um, he was like, well, what are we going to do now? So then he carried me on his back, and somebody said that they were going to carry the wheelchair back to the observation center, but they didn't. So we had to leave the wheelchair behind, and I knew I couldn't leave the wheelchair behind, so he was like, I'm going to go look for the wheelchair but later that, earlier that day, um, I needed something to drink. We didn't have no water because we drank all the water, and I got ended up getting sick and all kind of stuff. He got sick, too, because he tried to filter the water with a T-shirt and all kind of stuff. And then the person that said they were going to bring my wheelchair back to the observation center did not. So I had to grab the wheelchair, and I ended up having to sit in the bathroom by myself in the bathroom stall, wondering if he was even going to come back. And it was dark, and I'm yelling for people to help us, but no one didn't want to help us. So he just dropped all his stuff and leaves me sitting in the bathroom by myself. It was very scary and very awkward, but hey, at least we can say we went two miles on the Appalachian Trail on his back. Even though it may be scary and it may be a little awkward and it may be weird to leave your comfort zone, at least when you do things like go up the Appalachian Trail, at least you can say you did it and the reward of leaving your comfort zone would be much better than the feeling you had when you thought you couldn't do it. I know even me and him, one time he was with a lady and he was, uh, she was saying, yeah, I know this guy that went two miles up the Appalachian Trail, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't know this lady from Adam because he was working on their house because he's a roofer. And he was like, oh yeah, that was me and my cousin. She's like, oh wow, somebody told me that story and I thought it was so amazing. So me and her connected, and she was like, I'm a lawyer. I can help you with advocacy. Uh, I found this and this and this. So 
through her hearing that story and knowing how determined I was, she wanted to help me on some advocacy projects that I was doing, and we really realized how we could connect with each other. So sometimes when you leave your comfort zone is when you build your greatest connections and they really see who who you are as a person, your real mission, and their, uh, their willingness to help you after they find out who you are because you told them the story of how you left your comfort zone. Well, this is the end of season one, you guys, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. So now that you heard my stories and you heard everything I've been through, now it's time to give you a real insight with people who really do this thing called advocating, who have really made strides, who have really helped me make strides, and who have really been some of my mentors and the advocates that I look up to and the people that are really helping me, as well as people with expert um, opinions on some of these things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to interview musicians, caregivers, and people that have just been around people with disabilities and some that haven't. So you can really get an insight of what your life changes look like and the things you go through and how you can overcome them through the help of other people. I want to remind everybody that there's also going to be a poll on my podcast site where you can actually give polls on how well you like the episodes and and the things that you want us to talk about so we can add those to the poll. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you next season. It's going to start in January. So we'll see you guys then.